One of them is a licensed attorney. The other is an unlicensed welder. They go together like toothpaste and mayonnaise. But if you want to learn about the law and about welding in one podcast, this is, well, literally your only option. We checked. Welcome to Law and Solder. Welcome to episode two of Law and Solder. I'm your host, Chris Harris. I am still an attorney. I've been licensed by the Supreme Court of the great state of Texas to practice law since 1998. And I have been nominated every single year for the past 10 years as a Texas super lawyer through Thomson Reuters Corporation. And in 22 years of practicing law, I've never had a single grievance filed against me. These are my accolades. My co-host, as always, is a welder named Jamal. Hi, Jamal. Congrats. How's it going? What the hell does super lawyer mean? I mean... Well, it's a very, very prestigious um, honor in the state of Texas. You have to be nominated by some attorney. No, what it really is, we have a, we have a periodical here, like a magazine called Texas super lawyers. And I always laugh at it because like some lawyers have it in their, uh, in their email signatures. Wow. Um, and it says, you know, super lawyer, uh, if you have a desire to pay $5,000, you can get your picture in their periodical amongst everybody else who wanted to pay $5,000. Holy cow. You, and you get to use their little badge and you are a Texas super lawyer. So it's, it's really just a sales thing. And so every yeah. year for the last 10 years, I, I get these, you know, you've been nominated as a Texas super lawyer. And so I... Please send your check. Yeah, that's right. I've, wow. You get like a discount at Piggly Wiggly's or something? Nothing? I don't think so. I think you get okay. a badge on your webpage, and I think you get to say, I'm a Texas super lawyer. The only place I could ever consider possibly using it would be on this podcast. Yeah, I was so. going to say, don't ever, ever, ever say that outside of where we are right now. <laughs> right. So um, so here's what actually happened. We, we did this. Um, we did an episode a week ago, and we are new to the podcasting, and Chris fucked up by uh, not having Jamal designated as a guest which I think it was just in my nature to not have you designate. I can't have you as a guest in my home. No, I get um, it. Yeah. So, but I, I thought I was going to elevate him since I'm not doing a good job of giving him a great, you know, kind of a build up during the, the intro. Uh, so I, I elevated him to producer. Well, it turns out if somebody is a producer, they don't have their track recorded. Surprise. Yeah. It was a cool, it was a quick editing session. Cause I was, what was like, really well, cool was that um, nobody, realized that until after the i don't know the yeah. marathon three and a half hour recording session that we did it was uh, less than an hour but the way that the, it works okay, is yeah. yeah you talk for about an hour and then of that you hope to salvage you know maybe 25 minutes right that's the goal anyway i don't seem to be able to cut out as much as i probably need to in any event what was a shame about it is we kind of got into some it was not a funny episode we kind of talked about our dads and just real shit. But there are a couple of things I have to talk about and I there's no way we can redo that episode because uh, yeah. it would feel scripted as anyway. But from the first episode there were two questions that I had that I needed to follow up because when I was editing it I went wait a minute. 
did he just say he didn't meet his biological father until he was 30? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I jumped in because that's the way I have a conversation. I don't listen. I just wait for the other person to stop talking. For your turn to talk. Well, yeah. Okay, so, no, same. You would think I would have honed that out a little bit as a lawyer because it's kind of important to listen to what somebody's saying, like, for example, when they're on the stand. But I'm not going to let their response, you know, interfere with whatever plan I had. Yeah, so I've already forgotten whatever you were saying. So, yeah, you're going to have to refresh me. <laughs> I, I was genuinely curious. So why don't you tell me again and tell our other one listener what it was like when you met your biological father? I can't believe that that this is uh, something that we never talked about. It's um, It was a pretty big deal at the time. Looking back, I mean, it didn't really mean a whole lot. But yeah, at the time, you're all, you know, butterflies and, you know, all twisted up wondering how this is going to go. But it was, uh, yeah, I didn't meet him until I moved to California. Let me interrupt um, you for one second, okay? You, 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 very, you very well may have, I mean, I probably knew you when this happened, and you may have said, oh, yeah. I'm going to meet my dad. To me, that would have meant, at the time, very little, like for coffee or what. Or no, so, you were probably just waiting for me to stop talking so that you could say yeah. your part. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. okay. So anyway, uh, tell me again how this is. I apparently never followed up. How did that meeting go? It wasn't even something that I set up. But long story short, um, yeah, my dad has lived in California um, his entire life. And for like the past 25, 30 years, he was a recovered alcoholic, but recovered in as much as the drinking was gone, but he still wasn't like recovered enough to support himself as an adult. So he lived with his brother, his brother owned a house. And I guess my dad just rented the basement or something. I'm not sure, but that's who brought him up here to meet me. And it was exactly as awkward and strange as meeting, you know, your neighbor. It's, yeah. it was just, people make it out to be this, this big thing, you know, oh my God, it's your dad. You've never met him. You're right. But it's, it's just like meeting any other stranger. He didn't look anything like me that I remember. I remember he looked like fucking Fidel Castro. Okay. But you, you realize that today you look like Fidel Castro. So oh, the, okay, but but at that, back then I still looked like Johnny Depp. So yeah, it was right. like a it was a it was a, a shocking twist. <laughs> yeah, when I you know I went um, probably thirty years without shaving, and at fifty one I shaved for the first time. Uh, and as I put the razor down and looked in the mirror, I went, "Oh fuck, there he is. There's my dad." Yeah. <laughs> So you're like big mistake. So his uh, so his brother brings him and you, and it would be an awkward meeting because the buildup is going to be way worse than meeting any other stranger. But then it's essentially like meeting somebody and it's probably weird for him too. you know. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I was probably the most emotionally stable person in the room. I'm going to guess. Wow. But yeah, it was just. Yeah, that lets you know where we were at. My mom was there and this is her, you know, ex-husband who she hasn't seen in. I don't know, 30 years, whatever, whatever it had been. And it was just really weird because she was like trying to do this, like, well, tell them all about this, you know, like tell them all about your little league games. I was like, what <laughs> in the hell? I, really? I mean, that, Oh my God. But she's going through this big, you know, basically listing out my resume and all these things, you know, and it just makes it super awkward when somebody says, oh, tell a really funny and exciting story about this thing that you had no preparation for. And you're just not in that 
space, right? You're not, you're not prepared to do that. So I had to fumble fuck my way through all that. Then she brings up music. Oh, you got to play him the song you wrote about him. Well, mom, the song I wrote about him. Oh, you wrote a song about him. Yeah. That was devastating. It is not nice yeah. at all. Yeah. And, you know, so now I'm busting out the CD, playing it, and he's, you know, laughing and, or not laughing, but smiling and looking at me. And, you know, and the song ends. And here we are. How'd you feel about that? And look, I just changed the, the I just started talking about something else because it was so flipping bizarre. But my mom was did he get it? Super good. About, I mean, did no, he absolutely s- not. Nope. Not only did he not get it, he didn't even ask me for a copy of any of it. Yeah, there was a, you know. Well, I, I th- look, it. in fairness, I consider myself a pretty big fan of music, okay? And I like yeah. your music, okay? I'm not going to make a snide comment here. What I'm going to say is I almost never catch lyrics the first 50 times yeah. I hear a song. Yeah. You know, I'm listening for the whole package. Yeah. So maybe there was some of that. Now, if the son I had never met before uh, told me that he was playing this song about me, my ears would probably perk the fuck up. Yeah. And I might have something to say about that. So yeah. did that freak you out any? I spent a lot of time probably just building up calluses around this, you know what I mean, in my insides, so that I don't have to, yeah. you know, whatever. It, nothing's going to change about it. it, it you know, I, I, I'm past it. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I would have asked him a bunch of medical questions. Yeah. Well, I mean, my wife did that because she was she was interested in all that pragmatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to steer him clear of, you know, bursting out crying when he realizes the song is talking about how much of a shitty daddy was. So that's what I was concentrating my uh, time on and trying to negotiate my mom's bullshit. But it didn't phase him. No, not, not, not in the least. Did he give you any fatherly advice? No, he gave me $200 cash at the trunk of his brother's car. He handed me a picture of his mom my grandmother. He wanted me to have that. And then he palmed me $200 cash. And then we made plans for dinner later on that night. And that was that. Would you have dinner? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had Mexican food and it was, um, as awkward as the whole entire rest of the day was. We made all these plans to, Oh, now that we've, you know, now that we've broken through and have made each other, we're not going to waste any more time and blah, blah, blah. Never saw or heard from him again. I guess you did hear he died at some point. How old was he? I did. Yeah. He, um, that was like, he was probably 53, 52, 53. Yeah. He had a heart attack. Well, I appreciate you going through some of the, some of that's new to me still. Uh, even after we talked about it last time, but, uh, it's interesting. I, I've never, my family told me forever that I was adopted because I didn't really look like anybody in my family and i think most kids go through this at some point i was like man i wonder what my real parents are like but as you get older (laughs) you know you start to wonder man how weird would that be to like not have any and my my mom died when i was seven so i have just the scan really see i don't i've never heard that story or i just blocked it out uh cancer actually it was obviously that's a kind of a shitty time to lose your mom. From what I remember about her, she was a really, really like kind, nurturing, just a good mom. She was a, she was an RN. She and my dad met in college 
And when I was, my dad was like me, he had a bad drinking problem. And she, unlike some women, would not put up with it. So they got divorced. You know, she actually ended up, get this, she married pretty soon after their divorce. I think I was six. So there's a lot of trauma going on. Well, she ended up marrying her marriage counselor. Oh, Jesus. That's a great look. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Yeah. My dad loved that one. Your poor yeah, can, dad. Can you, I don't know your dad, but automatically I, yeah, he has now become the hero in this story. Can you imagine what those counseling sessions were like when you've got this motherfucker oh. just angling towards your wife, you know? Jesus Christ. Um, I, I'm betting that every single thing she said was right. Gee, yeah, no shit. Yeah, clearly you're in the wrong, sir. Yeah, well, that guy was a real piece of shit, but I sometimes think that my, uh, I don't know, you justify things later in life. My mom died when I was seven, but she at least got me away from that asshole. Um, because after she died, uh, then I went to live with my dad and my stepmother. Uh, and he also died pretty young. I mean, he was 52. Wow. It's weird, I think, when people get to the age that their fathers were when they died. Uh, at least it is for me. And I've heard this from other people. You know, I, I'm 51 now and my dad was 52. And I'm thinking about how he was and how old he seemed right before he died. Of course, he was also, <laughs> he was also a fucking chronic drunk and he looked like shit. All right. Anyway, uh, enough about dead parents. Um, I, I did want to mention, because it was so funny last time, that uh, if you Google Jamal Boucher, as I encourage anybody to do, the very first hit that comes up is his Pinterest page, which I, I think you should check out. Uh, second is <laughs> second is Twitter. Uh, he's under Bamal Boucher, and he's a witty fuck. I know that. I don't know if he uses Twitter anymore. Uh, and third is this podcast, Law and Sorry. <laughs> Which, which has an audience of one right now. So, I mean, what a fantastic <laughs> resume that paints! Nice. Well, if we put out another episode, it may vault Law and Solder into second place. You mentioned Twitter, and honestly, I I stopped using Twitter a few years ago when everything became a fight. Like within, I don't know. 10 minutes of me opening the app. But back when I was still a user for a while, my big claim to fame, uh, Alec Baldwin retweeted me uh, something that I had written. <laughs> no about, shit. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, got, I, kept, I took screenshots of it and saved I it. Know you, I know for a fucking fact you remember what it was. So why don't you just go ahead and tell me what it was? I do, it you was, could probably... Quoted exactly. It was something to the effect of I I made a reference to, I want to say it was Rush Limbaugh, but I'm not for sure. But it was some loud, abrasive, red faced asshole. And I. Plenty of them. Yeah. Yeah. I made reference to he looked like a toy that I had as a child called a hobbity horse that I used (laughs) to run around. And uh, probably the hobbity horse was, in many respects, brighter and more endearing than <laughs> this person was as well. Yeah, and and Alec frickin' Baldwin for some, I mean, I don't even know. It's not like he subscribed to my page or anything. I don't even know where he saw it, but yeah, I got the notice and I was like, oh my God. My I, Jamie got a retweet from Ryan Adams. And, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's, I, I the way that works, did you get followers as a result of that and were you like, you know, having to I up don't. your Twitter game? 
Probably, yeah. but I didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never gave a mu- I never gave much of a crap about. I mean, I don't know. I just uh, social media is kind of like it's just slightly before our generation where you know none none of us are going to be giant you know power user millions of followers. Well, look at Trump. He's fucking a boomer, and he's got a decent, healthy following. And look how yeah. well that's worked out for everybody. But I hope that you and I don't appeal to abject morons like that. So, well, now see, there you go again. I had a, I had both sides are the same. Both sides are the same. Both sides are the same. (laughs) I've been having what I think is an epiphany relating to all that shit. I read a book, believe it or not, and it was called Mein Kampf. (laughs) It was called Nothing is True and Everything is possible are you familiar with that phrase um i've only heard it from a friend once about seven seconds ago but yeah go ahead. <laughs> so um w- what it's technically about is the russian oligarchy and just kind of 21st century russia uh for some reason i was interested in that but the <laughs> phrase itself means that if you're able to get um an entire society to completely distrust the media then the theory was, and it has been borne out, I don't think it's a theory anymore. And this book was written, by the way, in 2014, okay? So it wasn't like Russia collusion thing. Yeah, It was what they had seen happen in Russia, where Putin controls all of the media. Anyway, the, what it means is, if you can get everybody to not believe the media, then anything the media says is instantly not true. Mm. And anything the media does not say could possibly be true. So the phrase, nothing is true and everything is possible, means you're going to have a shit ton of conspiracy theories. And it is so clear to me, you know, when I look at things like, um, like, hey, man, uh, what, what do you think about masks? You know, do you have an opinion (laughs) on masks? And everybody has a very fucking strong opinion on masks. All of a sudden, everybody's a virologist. Yeah. Yeah. What countries, you know, might benefit from the fact that we're arguing over whether or not masks are a good thing? You know, how about North Korea and Iran and Russia and China? And every single fucking anti-mask meme that you've seen starts somewhere else, usually on Twitter with a foreign fucking troll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's, it's, I think, the most devastating warfare that's ever happened to the United States. Cause we don't even fucking know we're in a war. You know, we've lost like 300,000 people as a result of arguing with each other instead of, you well, know, and it's frankly, it's beneficial to the people who really kind of run this country. And I know I sound like a nut job, but when I say the people who really run this country, I'm not talking about, you know, Pelosi, I'm talking about the people who tell Pelosi what to do. And right. there is absolutely a ruling class in America. But anyway, yeah. um, so I've been having these thoughts about, well, how do you, how do you undo all that shit? Um, and I don't have a great answer, but I know what the answer isn't. You can't fucking call people morons. Oh, you know? right. Yeah. No, uh, I'd never, no, do not listen to anything that I say and put anything behind it whatsoever. <laughs> I, I just say whatever BS pops into my brain. No judgment. What I'm saying is everybody does it, yeah. you know? And I mean, I mean, on the left and the right, you know, it's like turn off CNN, which is one of the most insulting things you could say to somebody because it's telling them you can't think for yourself. Right. Just say turn off Fox News. You know, it just instantly 
you know, you've seen people that do this. It's like oh, everybody absolutely. who voted for Trump is a fucking moron and they don't understand the Constitution and they want a dictator and that, you know, you just throw all these labels right. on in the same way that I see, you know, the Democrats are a bunch of lying, cheating, communist, you know, just the list goes on, baby killing, godless, whatever. And whenever I see something like that, <laughs> baby I'm like, killing, hell, oh. baby eating. <laughs> right. Yeah. No shit. Uh, like 25% of the population is believing in QAnon. Anyway, whenever I see that label, or whenever people make those labels, it's like yeah. nobody who reads the label thinks it relates to them. And so right. you're instantly, it's like there's a wall right there. So I've been trying yeah, still with some success. I still get pissed off, but I've been trying to be a kinder, gentler, you know, kind of, well, that's interesting. You know, I, you know, I'm not even a fucking Democrat, but I voted for every one of them this last time. Well, I just, I feign ignorance usually when it comes up because I don't want to have a, a 30 minute conversation that accomplishes absolutely nothing because the point that we're at now, I mean, you've heard people say that, you know, we're not operating even from the same realm of uh, facts. Yeah. I mean, it's not, yes, it's, it's not like we have disagreements around the edges. It's like we disagree about what color the sky is. And I, I don't know how to bridge that gap. Well, I'm, I'm seeing it in some ways. Okay. Like when the Supreme court came out last night and said, fuck Texas. Right. It, 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 you know, I looked at the people that are kind of involved in my social media and it's like, you know, this guy's a cop and he's a good dude. Sure. And this guy is a prosecutor and he's a good dude. They all voted for Trump. You know, this guy is a really super religious guy. He's also a drummer, you know, and he's a good dude. Right. And some of them believe just absolutely crazy, crazy shit, you know, but I have found that I can still talk to these people because the goal is not to change their mind. The goal is don't be the enemy, Yeah, you know? And, yeah. and one of them, whenever I kind of mention that, somebody will say, you know what, though, man, Thomas Jefferson said, all that's required for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Yeah. And, you know, something like that. Yeah. And I actually, although I'm sure I misquoted him, I love Thomas Jefferson, but Thomas Jefferson had a relationship with John Adams that was fucking epic. They didn't, <laughs> they, they, they could not fucking agree on anything politically. I mean, they were like mortal political enemies, but they, over the course of many years after they were both out of politics, they wrote letters to each other. And it took a very, very long time and both of them changed. But the reason that they did, think about any time you've changed your mind about something. It never happened because somebody called you a fucking moron. It came from somebody that you respected who had like a different, yeah. you know, approach. Like yeah. I used to believe, I, I used to believe that vaccines caused autism or at least the ethyl mercury in them caused autism. And there was some decent anecdotal evidence and there was a doctor who said this and I you know, that was my first impression with that. And I believed it. Right. And it took it, it, and you know, this is before anti-vaxxing was even a label. Well, and that okay? all came out, right? That that's, that was a, that was a fabrication, correct? Or no, I don't. Yeah. Dr. Wakefield was roundly discredited, but more than that, there were a lot of really large studies that showed to me scientifically, uh, that, you know, that was, there was really no relationship there. And and I understood ethyl mercury better when somebody smarter than me explained that 
and by the way, explained it by not saying, hey, you're a fucking idiot. You know, <laughs> they're like, well, here's the thing, you know? Yeah. And when I got it from somebody that I loved as opposed to, you know, just some random asshole with an opinion, uh, it actually sunk in and I was able to change my mind. But also, I didn't immediately go, well, that's from science, so it's fake. Which I don't, you know, yeah, of, it, yes. See the problem there that yeah. that you that you're that you're putting a point on is that you listened to the science and made a determination that obviously what you thought has been disproven versus today where that happens. Well, I just don't believe in science then, and I yeah. I, what yeah. what does science have to gain from that? What are they? Is big science you know pulling the wool over your eyes? I I just I don't understand it. Yeah. Whenever you ask somebody to deconstruct it, it gets interesting, yeah. you know, like like the mask thing, you know, somebody will be like, just a way for them to control you. And I'm like, okay, hold on just a second. Just let's, I'm not going to call you an idiot, right? but I am going to ask some questions, okay? So it, it, unless you're talking about the, you know, the mask industry, how is it that the people that actually run this country are benefiting from you know, people wearing or not wearing masks, you know, I mean, what, what incentive? What's the hidden agenda? And, yeah. Well, it's about control. Okay. You said that, but what I mean is, I mean, these are the people that we were paying every fucking month, you know, for our truck payment and our mortgage payment when, before the pandemic, and they were perfectly happy. And most of us were too, cause we're fucking idiots and we're just, you know, paying the money, uh, you know, like the surfs that we are right. and everything was rocking along just fine, yeah. you know, before the pandemic right. happened. So why did these people give all that up and trade it for let them wear masks, you know? And the more you kind of drill down on that, the more you back them into a corner. And I'm not talking about tricking people in an argument. What I'm talking about is really making them examine where it comes from. And that's when I figured out that, the, <laughs> that they had to come up with, you know, Bill Gates is trying to yes. inject the yes. population with tracking devices and also population control mechanisms uh, to kill people. Um, because if you don't have something out there, then it just all falls apart. Right? And, and honestly, that word for word, Chris, that's the exact same answer. It's about control. That is word for word the exact same answer that a guy at my work who I was having a I guess you could call it a conversation. Spirited discussion? About flat earth. That's that's <laughs> oh, what God. that's what all of his theories hinged on. I said, what what is big earth getting out of <laughs> out of making everybody believe that the earth is round? What's the end game? Well, it's about control. What the fuck does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Do you know how hard it is to get 12 people in a room to agree to something? And you're telling me that through the eons, all the scientists all over the world, all the, everybody who's ever studied it have all come up and agreed that, ah, oh, ha, 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 we're going to fucking make sure all these idiots believe the earth is round when we know it's flat. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Here's, uh, here's how that, has, as I understand it, the way that whole thing really took off was sort of a like a logic experiment. Like, okay, we all know the earth is round, but if we had to prove it, like to ourselves, yeah. how would we do that? Okay. And it's like, well, you know, if you think about it, it's pretty disingenuous for you or me. And I'm not fucking saying the earth is flat. So just hold hold your fucking powder for a second. Watch okay? your watch your tongue, but, brother. Watch your tongue. 
yeah, I've been in airplanes before. And I can't say necessarily that I've, you know, seen the curvature of the earth. Sure. Okay. I, so how do I know? Well, the, same, the way that I know that the earth is round is because that's what I was taught when I was a child. It's the same kind of like that belief that the earth is round is absolutely embedded in my head. Okay. The same way. That some people are taught when they're very young that the earth is less than 10,000 years old. Okay. Those things that you hear when you're a very young child have a massive influence on your belief system throughout your life. Okay. Now, there are some people who are able to understand at some point that Santa Claus is not real. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) most of us, because it's generally accepted and you are accepted when you're told Santa's not real. You're able to go, oh, Okay, well, I'm part of the club now, so that's cool. And so it's easy to accept. You try and tell some of the people in the area that I live in that the earth is 4.2 billion years old when they've been taught uh, as small children that not only are you, you know, to believe that, but it is um, an affront to God (laughs) to believe otherwise. To even question it? Yeah, that has a tendency to fuck people up. So what happened was some people were like, okay, the earth is flat. You know, now prove us, prove us wrong. It started really as kind of a logic experiment. The problem is, is some people didn't get the joke. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it is proof positive that the dumbest fucking idea in the 21st century has a tendency to rise to the top. The anti-intellectualism and all that shit. Trump 2020 is very vogue. Yeah, it ain't going to stop with him, man. That's the thing is once you open that door, I think the only thing that fixes this is actually kind of far away, you know, and that is general prosperity. Uh, That's when people, you know, stop. I mean, right now it's the worst of the worst. You know, we got the economic collapse. We got a lot of people who are not out and about and spending way too much fucking time looking at their screens. I blame, I blame John McCain. So I'll just go on record as saying that right now. Okay, because? Because he's the one who brought Sarah Palin to the forefront, and uh, that was the first, like, oh, oh my, this this lady is, she's, I mean, she is not smart. I mean, I don't know how, you know, not that she's dumb, I'm not saying that, not that she wasn't successful, but on an intellectual level, I don't know, to me, I want the people in charge to be in at least inquisitive about the world around them. That, that seems like that's a good trait to have that you want to know uh, information involved in your decision-making. And that was the first time in my adult life that I ever saw that rise to the front where that was like, that was seen as a badge of honor that she didn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a dangerous sign. And it's a real familiar historical sign, anti-intellectualism, you know, liberal universities. Yes. Those are, those are warning signs yep. when you're creeping towards fascism. And after the after the fact, when all the people that were sort of, you know, involved in that uh, campaign, they all came out and wrote their books. And, you know, it all came out in the wash afterwards that everybody was well aware of that at the time. Yeah. But it was just sort of this this movement that just took over. You know what I mean? I mean, they were the people behind the campaign. Once they got in a intimate setting with this woman, it was pretty clear right away that she was over in over her head oh yeah but that didn't yeah but she was very 
very she useful. Was, yes. You know, why do you, why do you think she's engaging? And that's the exact same thing that we're going through right now, but just another rung down the ladder. I, you know, I get a good friend who's a, um, a good friend. I, I know a guy who was in a band with me um, and he was a state, <laughs> he was a state rep here in Texas uh, for years. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, you know, what, what was the most surprising thing when you got into politics? And he said, man, I'll tell you, what shocked me was how quickly after I got there, my full-time job turned into raising money for the party. You know? Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole fucking thing. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that, fucking you know my political beliefs. We're fucked. It's become that, yeah, and I don't want to keep talking about this, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's just so much in our face. I don't know if it's because I'm older and I, and I pay attention more or it's just because of the way that information works now. I don't know. I don't ever remember. I mean, my son is like, he knows all of this stuff about what's going on in the world. When I was a senior in high school, I didn't, I just knew, you know, where the easy girls hung out on the weekends. That's what I knew. Dude, there's this page that blew up on Facebook. And it relates to, I went to a college called Stephen F. Austin State University. Isn't that a guy on ESPN? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and so a month ago, it had 300 members. And and in one month, for some reason, it, it grew to like 7,000. And what it's been Whoa. is like, kind of like the internet used to be. It, it, it's, you know, 7,000 people talking about just how awesome their college experience was. And it was a real party school and I was a blackout drunk. And so uh, I, and I was in several bands. And so I was involved in all of that. Uh, no coincidence. Right. You know, they, if I could pick a job where they gave me alcohol, that was going to be my job. Um, took me <laughs> like six years to get out of college and I was in no hurry whatsoever. But the reason that I bring it up is because it occurred to me that I was able to get all the fucking way through college and a decent way through my law career without ever knowing kind of the real politics and beliefs. Uh, yeah. Of the people around me. And now yes. fucking you can't get out of middle school without being branded. And that is a fucking yep. shame. So here's my next question. Do you think, you know, every old person, Jamal, and we're getting there, dude. I hate to break it to you, but we're getting there. Every old I person. I mean, you're, you're older than me. You're clearly yeah, of older course. than I am. But yes. 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 Okay, go yes. Ahead. Uh, when you get to your 50s <laughs> in six months, you'll see. Uh, <laughs> every old person says, you know, they believe that the world is shittier than it was when they were kids and that it was different, you know. And so part of me is wondering, okay, well, is this just because we're getting older? And Because the world's always different, you know, 50 yes. years from when it was. Um, or is this something way worse? All indications I, are it's way worse. But I am not 20 right now, so I don't know. I didn't grow up with a fucking iPhone. I don't know. I don't know. You know? Right. Well, I hear people at work. I don't subscribe to this notion. I hear this all the time. Oh, this next generation, you know, they're just lazy and shitty and they're, you know, all their ideas. Are, I don't, I don't ascribe to that because each generation, it's just different. You, you hit it right on the head. You said the word. It's just different. That's not better or worse. It's just different. And, you know, how, how that, you know, shakes out in the wash decades down the line. I mean, we'll find out. So, uh, how did you meet your lovely wife, Michelle? I was in junior high and she was a girl who sat next to me that always used to come into my, I want to say it was my science class. Are you being serious? She, I'm being dead serious. And she always had chewing gum, which I constantly 
begged her for. And that became our thing. She was the chewing gum girl. I was the guy who couldn't afford chewing gum. That's all there was. That's that's the whole part of that story. Now I moved to Alaska, blah, 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 blah. A bunch of years go by. I decide I want to go back and graduate with my old friends, my lifelong friends from Oregon. So my mom strikes up a deal with my brother. So I moved back down to Pendleton. And in the week or two before school started, I was at my friend, Wendell's house and I was looking through his yearbook and I see the picture of this girl and I was like who is that and he just starts laughing he's like oh ha 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 good luck that's Michelle Gilbert and she dates you know blah 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 he's the whatever he's the starting pitcher for the varsity baseball team and you know the anti-Jamal yes yes for sure yes and uh, and uh, within two weeks we were going out and that's kind of a a condensed version, but then we've been together in one form or another uh, ever since then. Now, years and years later, one point we were moving into, I believe, our first house, and I was looking through, Michelle had a had a hope chest, and I was just kind of looking through all of her shit in there, and I found our old junior high yearbook. So I flip it open, and I'm looking through it, you know, because I don't even, I'm a boy, I don't even, I don't have any of that shit, you know what I mean? I didn't k- keep any of that crap around. But she did, and when I was flipping through her yearbook, the whole entire back pages were filled with good luck with Jamal. I can't believe you're going to, you know, you should ask him out. All this crap that this is just the girl who gave me gum every day. That's that's as far as I was aware that our relationship was. And yeah, that was the God, I hope you never told her that. I hope you never went. I was so not into you. I didn't even know. Oh, no, she knows. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah, she absolutely knows. Yes, yes, yes. But she's right. aged ever so much more gracefully than me, so it all worked out. She wins at the end. <laughs> uh, well, that's a that's a cute story. I thought you were going to say, yeah. you know, I don't know. She was working in a strip club, and one thing nope. led to another. That's a that's a way better story. Well, I appreciate it. The, um, the real genesis uh, was chewing gum, and I want to say specifically uh, fruit stripes. I'm going to talk about welding. Oh, why? Nobody. Listen, <laughs> I I weld for a living and yeah. I don't want to talk about, but you feel free. You talk about welding all you want. I'm going to smile and nod and then let's move on to the next topic. What do you like about welding? <laughs> uh, I like getting burnt up a lot. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the law. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States may have saved democracy on uh, Friday. Uh, We'll see. Um, so we talked about the law and about welding. I, I got a little bit of a bummer tonight that I will tell you about and will likely edit it out. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I told you about this this uh, Facebook page with all these people that I went to college with. And um, sure. the bands that I were in are definitely remembered because they're, nobody had cell phones, obviously, but some people actually had cameras. And so, like, there are all these pictures of, you know, a band I was in called Fives a Crowd, and it was po- really popular for two or three years, maybe in Nacogdoches. And so, when people are talking about their memories, they're like, "Oh, and Fives a Crowd's playing, and this, and you know, and there are pictures and stuff." And so, uh, I started thinking about that band, and then I was in another band called Honest Mango, and because I was in college for so long, I kind of caught two groups of people through college and (laughs) half of them really loved fives a crowd. And what's weird is these are people that go back to the, you know, to the seventies. 
because uh, if they were in college before that, they're really not on Facebook. They're on respirators. Um, yeah. But from the 70s all the way through, you know, kind of the mid 2000s, these are the people that are looking at this page. And the, the only two bands I've seen mentioned by these thousands of people are the two bands that I was in. And it occurred to me, man, we ought to fucking play. You know what I mean? Like it's like kind of 30 year reunion time. Right. The, the, might, five, the five's a charm or what'd you say? Five's a... It doesn't matter. But that band okay. or Honest yeah. Mango or both. Yeah. You know, because I've got two bands that I could, you know, pimp and maybe one of them would want to get together and do this. Well, as I'm looking through the page, I see that my buddy Shay, he was the lead singer in one of the bands. Um, somebody goes, hey, well, Shay Doman's actually playing at the Back to Knack reunion in Dallas, you know, in April. And I was kind of fucking hurt, to be honest with you. Because uh, <laughs> you, you weren't aware of it? Because <laughs> I wasn't even asked, dude. He oh, never no. mentioned it. So, uh, and Shay's a great Now, is friend, this somebody man. that Don't, you still... You still talk to yeah. you? I mean, so that that yeah. could have absolutely been mentioned. Yeah. Dude, he can text me and does. Um, yeah. So uh, it, anyway, it's I'm not saying the guy went around my back, but after that page blew up, I got a text this evening from Shay, and he knows that I've seen this page because I ended up posting a picture. <laughs> and, and he's like, hey, man, I just had a crazy idea. What if, you know, we got the band <laughs> back together at the end? <laughs> And I played along and I was like, you're all, I'm fucking busy. (laughs) I didn't. I said, well, the bass, (laughs) the bass player in this band, um, is, is a guy that for some reason, and I really don't know, I've never been the greatest friend, uh, to be honest. Um, not to him anyway. And he was a good dude. He was like one of those guys that could run an entire PA off a fucking car battery when shit went South. I mean, just a genius with, that yeah. um but in any event he uh he, he was a solid dude and he got like cancer and just for years i think he holds a record at md anderson for having the most chemotherapy treatments of any patient in the history of md oh anderson. my god yeah and he's still kicking um but for some reason eric stopped talking to shay completely and uh and so you know, Shay feels like he needs to ask me. And I'm like, well, what about Eric? You know, if we're going to do it, we got to have the whole band. And he finagled it where I needed to text Eric. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I well, did. Because you guys were so close. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I did. I, I have not heard back, but it got me uh, thinking about, well, man, the band that I was in that was really good as a band, uh, Fives a Crowd was the name of it. Two of the members moved to Nashville. One of them's a session drummer. John Whitehead is the session drummer's name. Uh, and so I reached out to John because I thought he would be the one to go, man, I'm not into it. He didn't go to Stephen F. Austin. He's living in Nashville. And the response I got back from him was, well, that's intriguing. Let's talk tomorrow. Oh. So then I reached out to the second guy. Uh, Greg Butel is his name. If there was a draw for that band besides music, it was definitely him. And, uh, it's, so I reached out much like Eric, no response so far from him. Oh. And so I'm a little bit bummed. Not that, you know, I mean, I'm in a band. I, I well, like did you guys have like a bad breakup? Fuck no, man. He, uh, oh. yeah, no, he just, he came up one day and said, Hey man, I'm, uh, I'm moving back to Dallas. And I went, Oh, well, I guess our band's over. And he's like, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I got to do something else. 
okay. Yeah, I mean, that was, was kind of it. Now, he was a pretty patient guy because I was a bad drunk, and especially when I played. And so I feel like he was real done with me. Uh, but I let him know a couple of years ago, we, we talked some and I was like, by the, I don't drink anymore, by the way, you know, I'm still kind of an asshole, but I don't drink anymore. <laughs> um, so I, it would be nice if I would hear from him mainly because regardless of whether we play, it would just be nice to know that I didn't leave a, just a fucking black stain in people's memories, uh, from yes. those times. But in any event, I'm a little bit, what was the, what was the bummer part? That two uh, of my part in that two that, of my bandmates, guys that I spent years with on the oh, road, they won't return your they won't return your call. <laughs> they won't <laughs> return a text, not Are even a sure? fucking phone call, dude. A text. What if they're not? What if? What if they're not alive? They both went through blue. And by the way, I think Eric oh. has blocked me on Facebook, but uh, I know oh, he's alive. No. I know he's alive because I saw him like one of those pictures on Facebook. Um, in I would group. love, so, I would love to have a conversation with either one of these two people about you, um, yeah. with you not in the room. I think that would be fantastic. That son of a bitch, you probably did horrific shit to these people, Chris, that you don't remember because you were in a drunken fucking stupor. There was a lot you, of that. You and probably I, and fingered I, one of these guys' buttholes or like <laughs> grabbed his girlfriend's, you know, whatever. I'm, I guarantee you there's you aren't aware of how, just how bad of a memory you are to those two dudes. Let me tell you one thing I remember about Greg Beatell because I don't think he's going to write me back and God knows he'll never hear this. Um, he, he, was, uh, he was living with a girl at the time that we were in this band and Greg was also, I mean, he would use our practice area to bang chicks um and at like behind the club that we had a kind of a residency at and and he wasn't like i mean he's a pretty cocky dude but he, he was also really funny and anyway you know the type they get laid a sure. lot yeah. um and so and, and he's in a pretty committed relationship with this person i say committed he's living with her and they're talking about marriage for years and she followed him from nacogdoches texas to austin to dallas i think but anyway, I know he's banging at least two girls that come to these shows, um, sometimes in pretty rapid succession. Like I would be like, hey, man, I got to get into the practice room. And he's like, give me 15 minutes. <laughs> and like an hour later, I'd go, OK, you cool. And he's like, well, I was. But now you got to give me another 15 minutes. So he's so he comes up on. So we're doing a sound check and he goes, man. I've never had so much sex in my life. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's great, dude. And he goes, he goes, he goes, I'm having so much sex that like my dick has sores on it. Oh no, <laughs> that's not a thing, man. I said, yeah, that's herpes, dude. Oh, fuck. <laughs> How excited were you for that guy to get herpes? Oh, it was just precious. Oh my know? God. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> That's definitely not going in. Uh, <laughs> so if he doesn't, it, I guess if he writes me back, it'll get cut. If he doesn't write me back, I'm going to send him a fucking link because I have his email. <laughs> right on. And I could love you better. I just can't read your mind. Seventh year could be the winner. 